Hi, I'm Ankita. Hi, I'm Michelle. And hi, I'm Ashley. And we are the co-founders of Acorn and the hosts of Edupod, a podcast series elevating voices of educators and other key players working on advancing the education system in the United States. This season, we are discussing the impact of COVID-19 on students, teachers, and schools. Before we begin, please keep in mind that this episode was recorded on August 2nd of 2020. It is possible that some of the information we cover, especially regarding returning to school and other COVID-19 policies, may be out of date. Today, we are delighted to be speaking with Caitlin Smith, an elementary teacher from North Carolina. Caitlin is a teacher self-care advocate who encourages teachers to use self-care techniques to reduce burnout. Today, we'll be speaking with Caitlin about self-care, especially in the context of distance learning. Caitlin, thank you so much for speaking with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Michelle. Thank you all for having me. Of course. Could you please just share a little bit about yourself and your job and your background? Sure. Um, This will be my ninth year in education. I've been teaching um, in North Carolina. I've taught grades two, three, and four, um, and I teach all subjects. Great. That's fantastic. So in an earlier conversation with us, you shared that you were passionate about teacher self-care. Can you tell us a little bit about why and how you became passionate about teacher self-care? Sure. So basically, I realized that it got to a point in about 2015 where I wanted to quit my job. Um, I was going to work unhappy and just really feeling like the effects of teacher burnout. And so when I was talking to other teachers and just trying to figure out like, what can I do? What can I do? um, I stumbled upon teacher self-care and I didn't know that was a thing. Like I wasn't taught this course in college, Um, even though you hear about burnout, but you don't hear about kind of what to do about it. Um, So that kind of propelled me into the position to start talking about teacher self-care and really encourage teachers to take care of themselves because we can't give to these kids. We can't give everything that we have every day um, when we're running on E or when our, um, you know, physical cups are empty. So that started in 2015. And then more recently, I was diagnosed with um, postpartum depression after I had my daughter in 2019. So that was just kind of like a slap in the face. Like I have to make sure I'm taking care of myself. So not only I can give to my students, but I've got a family at home that needs to be taken care of as well. So that's how I came to be. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that. Um, That I think is something that is not often talked about. Like you mentioned, Um, we talk about teacher burnout, but it's not very often that we actually talk about how to prevent that burnout. Um, and so I think that what you're sharing is, um, is really important. Can you tell us a little bit about um, how you recharge yourself and kind of the self-care techniques uh, that you bring in? Well, COVID has, I think, forced everyone to kind of figure out boundaries and how to establish those and make sure that if you're working from home, how are you making sure that your work and your home are separate? Because I don't have that car ride home anymore to kind of decompress and, and, you know, unpack my day mentally. I don't have that separation. Um, So I think establishing boundaries was a huge thing for me um, since working from home and just finding hobbies that really 
um, help you decompress and help you find some joy. So I planted some flowers in the front yard and my husband and I have been doing yard work. So that's been helpful as well. Um, I would say exercise and even exploring meditation. Um, I've been reading a book about getting your chakras in line and that's something that's new for me. Um, but understanding mindfulness and understanding really what that is has been very helpful um, to help me kind of recharge and even just doing nothing. Like it's okay sometimes. And I had to learn that the hard way because I am or was a busy, busy body and just kind of all over the place, always doing something. Um, and so just really taking the time to do something that makes your mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional self feel at their best. Great. Thank you for sharing that. So you also mentioned that you're a, a new mom. Can you tell us how COVID and working from home has affected you as a parent? Yeah, well, um, it's been interesting. And fortunately, I'm, I'm in a position where my husband is working from home as well. And I do have uh, that support here. Um, so he's able to kind of maneuver his schedule to meet the needs of you know, he kind of works around my schedule or did when I was teaching, but it got to a point where I just had to be transparent with my parents and be transparent with my kids and know sometimes you're going to see a one-year-old running around in the background and that's okay. That's Miss Smith's norm. That's her life. Um, or you're going to see my dog jumping up. You know, he wants to be in the camera too when he hears another dog um, bark on the screen. Um, so it was just kind of like a an opening for the kids to get to know me on a different level because they know, you know, the professional Mrs. Smith, but now you, you're getting into my house. Um, so I think that was really nice for the kids to be able to see that part and see that side to know that I'm not a robot and I'm not perfect by any means because my kid is right here on my lap when I'm trying to teach a math lesson about fractions and she's filling the expo markers and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it has been a bit stressful just trying to keep her entertained um, because there, like I said, there's no transition time. There's no like, okay, she's at daycare for eight hours and I can, you know, do my work. Um, but rather, you know, getting her into a schedule where she's napping for two hours or just making sure that she's occupied um, because I don't want to sit her in front of the TV all day, even though she has sat in front of the TV for a while, I will be honest. Um, but overall, it's just adjusting and figuring out what works and, you know, being truly compassionate with yourself. Like, it's okay. I don't have to be perfect. Everybody has something going on right now. Um, and just accepting that even though things don't go as planned when it comes to childcare, that's cool. It's all right. And it'll be fine. So I will say in a nutshell, it's just been adjusting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that adjustment period, I'm sure, was was very long and very strange to experience. So one of the other things that I think is, is interesting and that we don't really necessarily always kind of um, talk about is the difference between teaching, doing distance learning with high schoolers versus elementary school kids. <laughs> and, um, you know, you, you have a young daughter, but the kids that you're working with are, you know, young and hyper, and I'm sure also getting very stir crazy at home. Um, can you tell us a bit about your experiences with conducting classes for elementary age students? 
Man, that is, that's quite a question. Um, going along with the theme of adjustment, I think this was just a time for us to really see what is important to teaching and what can we kind of get rid of? Like, what do we really need to be focusing on and what does not deserve our attention at this time? And I think what we realized, um, even at an elementary level was these students, you know, their social emotional needs should be priority. They are priority. So when I saw them on, and it was Friday the 13th in March, that last time I saw them, um, they cried. I mean, they did not, they didn't quite understand what was happening. We'd heard about it and we'd started with mandatory hand washing and we had conversations around it, but I don't think they really understood what it was actually going to look like. Um, so I met with my kids on a daily basis um, for at least an hour and we did um, social emotional learning. So we had like a morning meeting every day and had the kids kind of share um, what was going on in their lives and just really provide a space for them to unpack. And if they were like, Miss Smith, I'm stressed out. Like my little brother's getting on my nerves. Like we just, you know, had those kinds of conversations. Um, but we did have like daily Zooms, like I said, and then we had small groups. So uh, I divided the small groups into um, so that they could see some of their friends. Um, so I would do breakout rooms um, and just give them time to, if they wanted to log on to the game and play the game with their friends, sure, go for it. Um, and it was just like a matter of figuring out the balance between academic versus making sure that these are happy kids and that they're safe and that they're fed and that they're taken care of. And that took precedence over anything academic related. Um, but fortunately, we were able to still teach. Um, we were able to kind of make it work. Um, and it was just, like I said, an adjustment overall. But I will say the kids enjoyed it. Um, so I'm interested to see what this school year is going to look like. So I, I think that you talking about the, the social and emotional learning aspect versus the kind of academic learning of your students is, is kind of a, a balancing act that you guys really had to figure out this year. Um, can you kind of explain maybe a little bit how that kind of ties in with your students' own self-care and like trying to teach um, the, the self-care that you practice as a teacher, um, but kind of help them um, with that adjustment as well, and maybe even how you bring parents into that. Sure. So I think really helping children process their emotions was a huge piece of that, um, and helping them understand that we all have emotions and we're all, they're all valid, you know, um, and it's completely acceptable for you to feel this way. Now let's, let's process through that together. Um, and let's kind of unpack it together. So I think it was really helpful for me to be transparent um, and let them know, like my daughter, her name is Mila, um, let them know that Mila, you know, she's teething. She was up for four hours last night. Miss Smith has bags under her eyes because this is what's happening. Like this is how it's affecting me, but I'm practicing self-care. Let's do some deep breaths together. Or does Miss Smith have to go get some coffee this morning? And the funny thing is they could, they would notice it. They would know if I had Starbucks, they knew I might've had a late night or they knew that I might've needed like a little pick me up or something like that. Um, and, you know, they can realize that and they can understand that if I'm feeling a certain way, then I can develop my own self-care techniques that work for me. 
Um, I've had kids who needed to go to a calm down corner and they might need to squeeze a little stress ball or they needed to take some deep breaths or some kids, they just want to do jumping jacks until they get whatever they're feeling out of their system, um, you know, until they're ready to, to, to discuss it or talk about it. Um, and I think really just being transparent and bringing in like different texts that kind of talk about what it is that they're going through, whether it's situations with siblings or something like that, just to really help them see that I'm not alone and here's something that I can do to kind of help me process. So I think that was a huge piece in, in distance learning and just helping them understand that you're not alone. Just because I'm an adult does not mean I have it all together. <laughs> right. And so what has what has been the role of parents in in kind of ensuring that that distance learning is one feasible and it's running smoothly, but also kind of maintaining that um, emotional balance in the lives of students? Sure. So Ashley, I forgot that was the second part of your question, but just talking to parents and just being honest with them. I think so many people put teachers in this box that we're just these perfect beings and we do no wrong and we're supposed to you know act a certain way almost robotic and we're not and i think for me it was harder as a young teacher because at that time i didn't have a husband i didn't have a child i didn't own my own home like i couldn't connect with them on certain things because i was a kid straight out of college um but now it's to the point where i can just be a listening ear to someone's mom and she's telling me about how she works on the COVID unit and she had to take her five children to stay at their grandparents' house because of everything that was going on. And now that I'm to a point where I can understand and empathize, um, and I think just being open and honest with parents has been the most helpful thing for me um, and just keeping them in the loop and making sure that they're aware of everything that's going on. Uh, even to the point where if I have to host a parent, you know, curriculum night via Zoom, just to walk them through, this is how you use this strategy, because we, you know, had some issues with math, like, this is how I did it when I was growing up, but y'all do it differently, so help me out. Um, so, you know, getting, being open and honest and helping parents understand I'm available, um, you can text my cell phone, you can call me, you know, up until a certain time, um, but you know, just making sure that they know that you're truly there for them and their um, child. I think that's been beneficial. Right, definitely. I think, um, yeah, parents are taking on a larger role now in education and actually also helping helping teachers kind of maintain that classroom experience outside of that one Zoom call that you have uh, with your students. Can you tell us a little bit more about, I guess, more in terms of how are you kind of um, helping parents facilitate that learning? I know you kind of touched on that, but could you go a little deeper? Sure, so I have um, one-on-ones available for students and their parents, um, or I did have that available during the school year where they could come and it's almost like a tutoring session for the parents for them to kind of wrap their brain around whatever is being sent home. Um, and we walk through step by step where you're modeling this is, you know, these are the kinds of questions that you can ask. You can use wait time for the child to respond to you. It doesn't have to be immediate. Be patient. 
um, and helping them understand, you know, different teaching strategies that we use in the classroom. So I would be on the phone at like 930 in the morning talking to a mom trying to figure out um, something on a, a different Google uh, classroom assignment or something like that. Uh, and just helping them kind of understand that I'm the teacher and your job is to just make sure your child is present and I can handle it from there. And there were a lot of times where I would email parents and, you know, just say breathe, it's gonna be okay. All teachers are aware of this. And I know a lot of parents are concerned about their child falling behind, but you know, we're in a global pandemic. So every teacher is aware of what's going on right now. Your child's not gonna go to the next grade and immediately start learning brand new material for the next grade. Um, and I'm not sure what that looks like in high school, but definitely at the elementary level, our teachers are more than aware. And we are we understand that we kind of have to pick up the baton. You know, we're in a relay race. I know that my kids coming in are former second graders, but they're like third quarter second graders. So I know that I have to kind of peel back and start from there. So I think just reassuring parents that you are there for them um, and that, they don't have to do it all. Like I'm your partner in this, making sure that your child meets their goals. But I think the most important part is making sure that the children's social emotional needs are met. Right, I think, um, yeah, yeah, as you said, we need to remind ourselves that this is a global pandemic and, and we're all in this together. And you did kind of um, touch on this about what is it going to be like this next academic year that teachers are going to have to take into account um, what their students have learned or where they were and that emotional learning is going to be like a key component of that as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're planning for the next academic year, whether it be you personally planning for the classes that you're teaching or what is your school planning at large? Well, I actually just learned this this morning, so I really may confuse everything, but from what I gather, um, we're going to be using Canvas, and I'm very familiar with it. I just, you know, got a graduate degree online, so it's interesting to see Canvas from the other side as, like, the creator of what the students see. Um, so my district has created all of our lessons, all of our modules are uploaded and we have to personalize them for the students. And so from what I'm understanding, students will participate in um, three hours of independent learning and that will be videos, activities, they will submit their work throughout the day, um, but they will have about two hours of live instruction with the teacher, um, or perhaps two and a half hours, but we're still in including specials time, lunch time, and recess time. So we've also, um, with the in-person instruction, you'll be teaching your core instruction, so reading and math, um, and then you'll have small groups throughout the day. So the idea between the rest of the afternoon is for while kids are working on their independent work, you're pulling small groups. So this is where I'm gonna be using the breakout rooms for me to be in one room with my small group while the rest of my students are doing their um, independent work. I don't know what that's gonna look like, but that is strongly what our district is suggesting that we do. But I do know for um, the first two weeks, we're on the computer all day with our students to make sure that they know how to navigate Canvas. Because like I said, these are, you know, 
they're fresh out of second grade. Um, so they've not even had Chromebooks before. And fortunately, our district is one-to-one -one, um, technology. So they're coming from using iPads to now using the Chromebook. So the first two weeks, we're just getting them used to using the technology. Um, but I do love that every day we start with a morning meeting and a read aloud that is geared towards their social emotional learning. So I'm really excited to see what this is going to look like. It, yeah, I mean, definitely using technology and, and being okay with the new tools that are being being presented is is a critical part. The other thing that you also mentioned was kind of picking up from from where the kids were last year. And so that also kind of relates to collaborating with other teachers, like their previous teacher, and also you working with other teachers to, to craft these um, lesson plans that are more, more meaningful and relatable to students now. So can you tell us more about how are teachers supporting one another and collaborating at this time? Sure, so we have, I mean, this, this summer I've worked more than ever before during a summer, um, even when I taught summer school. But we have met, I would say, on like a weekly basis with either our administrative team or with my grade level team just to kind of flesh out, flesh out some different plans or some ideas and throwing things around. Um, but that comes with the district consistently changing um, different expectations and, and going from different plans and you know we've just known this is going to be a roller coaster um, so with that I think we've scheduled vertical planning and an interesting thing that my principal did was she decided to keep the homerooms together so the same class that was together in second grade they are now with they're still together but they're with a different teacher so at least the kids know one another um, but it's strongly encouraged for those teachers to kind of get together um, via Zoom and plan and just kind of get to know exactly, you know, where each student fell. But an interesting thing my district did as well was instead of report cards, we had kind of a, um, what was it called? An online feedback form. So we were able to type in whether the student was um, present during remote teaching last time um, and basically kind of for them according to what they did um, and all their teachers currently will have access to that so I'll be able to look through that those documents and kind of figure out exactly where each student um, currently is performing um, but teachers are working together to try to figure out exactly where we're going to start and what that's going to look like so an idea was definitely vertical planning um, amongst the grade levels so I know that's kind of in the works I, I do want to also close the loop of, of our whole team around self-care um, and kind of tying that back to the previous question about teachers supporting one another. What has been going on in terms of, yeah, self-care for teachers? Uh, well, my principal, again, she's a certified yoga instructor. Um, so she was actually offering yoga via Zoom and she's like very, very adamant about making sure that we take time to um, just unplug and relax and understand it after every staff meeting i kid you not she says we're all in this together it's a roller coaster and it's going to be fine and you know that is so reassuring to know that you're not alone um she would send a motivational text mess or e a motivational email every morning um just to kind of because we knew that morale was just kind of all over the place with navigating the unknown 
Um, and our team, we have a group chat where we just lean on each other. And our team consists of three brand new teachers. So imagine brand new, you know, first year teaching and then COVID, it's just a ball of emotion. So just being honest and being real with one another, but just taking time to find joy. So they're planning lots of um, icebreakers and fun games for when we do go back. Um, so I'm interested to see what that's gonna look like, but I have felt so supported um, by my team and by the teachers at our school, even if it's just to, you know, sit on the phone and, and vent for a little bit and get that out to someone who gets it, you know, we're there for each other. That is so fantastic to hear. And it, I feel like it's just so heartwarming that your principal is like so intent on making sure that all of your teachers are doing really well. Um, and I, I'm glad to hear that. Um, and I think, you know, um, as we are thinking about not only next year, but kind of the future of education, um, one of the questions that we have been asking um, most of the teachers that we interview is, what is your vision for the future of education? And what is something that you hope that we, we really learn? And what is something that you, you hope that we all learn and take away from this experience? That's quite a question. Um, I really hope that we learn how to see each other as, as human and not bodies and not just robots and not just you do your job because I'm telling you to do so. I hope that we see that some huge elements of education are not necessarily needed in order for learning to happen. Um, and I hope that people understand that learning can happen in a variety of ways. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a brick and mortar building every single day. Um, you know, it can occur outside, it can occur virtually, it just, you know, I think we just really need to reimagine what learning could be and what that looks like. Um, and I think also the, just an overall respect for the profession. Um, you know, people have their opinions and lots of folks feel like kids need to be back in school and I completely understand that, but, you know, it gets to the point where do we value our normal and what we're used to over lives? And, and that's just what it's gonna boil down to. And I would hate for the latter to be the case and for us to have to figure that out and know that, you know, folks played a role in sending people back into positions where it affected their overall health. Um, and I, I just hope we restore humanity and we see that learning can happen anywhere um, and that we respect teachers and all educators, anyone who has a role in what happens at schools, they deserve all the respect because I could not imagine having to make decisions for an entire school district. Yeah, and I, I think that valuing teachers and educators and all of those people who are making those really important and very hard decisions deserve so much respect right now. Um, Caitlin, it has been a pleasure having you on our podcast. Thank you so much for being willing to speak with us. Um, we've really enjoyed this conversation. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode. To recommend topics and nominate educators to be interviewed, visit acornlabs.org. To support us, subscribe to this series and donate on Patreon.